Well, I want to just start um, this new year with um, really a, a, the way that I pray that we'd like to go on um, in our Christian faith and in our journeys. And I want us to think about how we can live a life of discipleship. Okay, so not just what we do here on a Sunday, not what we do in our personal times of reflection when we're at home, but how we can um, live our lives as disciples of Jesus. So I want to um, start by reading from Matthew um, chapter 28 and verse 16. Um, And this passage will be very familiar with most of you. It's the Great Commission. Um, I'm reading from the NIV and it will be up on the screens for you to follow along. So Matthew 28 verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age." Now, every single one of us sat in this room here this morning, I can guarantee we'll wake up tomorrow morning into a different life situation, okay? So your days tomorrow are going to all look completely different to each other's. For some of you, um, like me, it'll be dragging children out of bed, ironing uniforms, getting them ready for school, finding what there is in the cupboard to put in a packed lunch that looks healthy, um, and kind of putting something together. Um, for others of you, it might be jumping into a van, I don't know, going going off to a building site, going to do some gas work, doing, I don't know, whatever it is that you do. It might be sitting at a desk, preparing for a Teams or a Zoom meeting to a client across the world somewhere. It might be a grandparent who's turned into a childminder in your later years that you weren't expecting to do. It might be a student who's lying in bed just knowing that the essay won't write itself. Okay, in many different kind of life situations that you are going to be in tomorrow morning when you wake up. And this new year, what I would really love each one of us to grasp is that wherever we are and whatever we're doing, that God has placed you there for a reason. This is where you are meant to be. That is your unique mission field. Each one of us, whatever it is, there is a unique vision that God has for you to transform that place that you're in with his love and his reconciliation, his power, all of those things that are amazing. You are his representative in that place. You are there to bring the overwhelming love of Jesus into that situation. We need to be followers and messengers of Jesus wherever we are and in all that we do. You know, it is an absolutely fantastic, amazing privilege to pray with someone to become a Christian for the first time. That is so exciting. I love times when someone says to me, you know what, it all makes sense. And actually, I need to put my faith and my trust in Jesus. And praying with someone is just exciting. And, uh, you know, we all need new Christians around us because they fire us up and spur us on. 
But for each of us who have become Christians, that's not where God is asking us to stay. That's not the place where God is asking us to remain. He has called us and wants us to be his followers and his representatives in the place that he's put us wherever we are and whatever he has called us to do, wherever you have been placed and whatever you've been called to do. It should be the goal of each and every one of us, not simply to be content with the fact that we've found this amazing grace in Jesus, that we've met Jesus, that we've um, come to recognize him, but it should be our goal to live as a disciple of Jesus. And the difference is huge. Becoming a Christian is recognizing that there's a God who loves us. There's a God who sent his son to die for us, that we can have eternal life because of his amazing grace, that we recognize um, that God and we put our trust and our faith in him. But becoming a disciple is ongoing. It's an ongoing process of a relationship with Jesus. It's day by day. It's situation by situation. It's place by place. It means living for God's glory and for the good of those around us. It's taking that transforming love and making a difference. So how can we do that as we head into this new year? To put it very simply, living as a disciple of Jesus is to learn to follow the way that Jesus has for us in the place that we're in and at this specific time or this specific moment, at this specific time. And I want to just look at those points each individually this morning. And I think that it's really key that to start off with, we understand the meaning of discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? You know, many times I think we fall into the trap of thinking that we're, doing, we're being a disciple or, or, or we're doing discipleship because we go on a program or a course. You know, we've all done it. We run a discipleship program or discipleship training. How many of you have done a discipleship course of some kind? I have. You know, we've done so many, haven't we? Or we think it's coming together in church and we're learning from God's word or it's our personal times of devotion that makes us a disciple. And those are all fantastic. Don't let me kind of like think you think that they're not the things we should be doing. But if that is our idea of discipleship, then it's too narrow. It's too small. Because discipleship is giving of our whole lives, not just in those moments, not just the six weeks that we attend the course or the time that we're here on a Sunday or our moment of personal um, devotion at home. It's our whole lives. There was some research done not that long ago, and um, it was what helps disciples to grow, what helps us to grow in our spiritual lives. That's what the, the research was done on. And when they asked one question, they asked this question, what hinders your Christian growth the most? What hinders your Christian growth the most? And the most common answer, and I think if I asked the question, would probably be the same in here today. It's the commitments and the busyness of daily life. It's the busyness of our daily life that we push out um, our spiritual growth. It makes our spiritual growth so hard. When our view is that discipleship is something that happens on a Sunday or in our personal relationship and devotion with God, then we end up feeling that our daily lives and the busyness and stress of our daily lives are a barrier 
to our spiritual growth. We think actually those things are pushing out my relationship with Jesus and a barrier for our discipleship rather than an opportunity for it. That's what our daily lives are. They're an opportunity for us to grow in discipleship and grow in our spiritual lives. Jesus' call to discipleship isn't limited to the time that we gather together as church or our private Bible reading at home. As important as those things are, they're really key, but it's about a whole life commitment in every situation of life to service and growth, whatever situation we're in and whatever we face. So firstly, to be a disciple of Jesus, we need to be learning We do need to be learning. It's really, really important. In the Great Commission that we just read before, Jesus commands his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. Teaching them. It's about learning. A disciple is a learner, and it makes absolute sense that Jesus told his followers to go and teach the commands. We need to be learners. And as John 10 verse 10 reminds us, these commands don't hinder us. It's not that we get burdened by the commands. It's not like rules, but actually it leads us to a full life. It leads to a life of fullness. And so can I also remind you that if disciples are learners, it's okay to make mistakes because we're learning That's what we're doing. That's what learning's about. We're not going to get it right all of the time. You know what it's like when you pull up behind a learner car. You kind of get a bit nervous, don't you? You think they're going to bunny hop across the the yellow line or they're going to roll down the hill um, in front of you. And usually they do um, because they're learning. That's what they're doing. They make mistakes and they learn from their mistakes. That's what disciples do. We continue learning. Obedience to Jesus starts by listening to his commands. And John Stott describes it this way. Every true disciple is a listener. When we truly hear and obey God's commands, this shapes our heads, learning to believe God's truth, our hearts, learning to desire God's character, and our hands, learning to act as his body, serving the people all around us. In the Great Commission, Jesus talks about making disciples. But the same verb also refers to being a disciple. So making disciples is being a disciple, and being a disciple makes disciples. Do you see? It's kind of like the hand in hand. That's, that's what being a disciple is. It involves training yourself so that you can then go and train other people. You know, the worst example of this are PE teachers. I apologize if you have any in the room, you know. It used to always frustrate me when I did PE that they were shouting at me to do run the 1500 while they're standing there with a cup of coffee in their hand looking like they can hardly run 10 meters, okay? That's the worst example of training others, trying to teach others, and yet not training yourselves. Apologies if we have any in this room. Um, But we have a fantastic demonstration of how to learn and teach others from the disciples themselves. They are, as they're sent out to preach the gospel, they're still in that place of learning from Jesus. They're still learning themselves. And that's what we need to be doing, learning so that we can teach others. And that's great news for us because it shows us that we don't have to have all the answers. 
We don't have to know everything. We don't have to have it all together. You know, I was driving along this week and um, I don't know how it happened, but the children started asking me about heaven and hell and what happened here and what happened there. And I said, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to have to go and find out for you. And that's okay. It's fine. That's what the Alpha course is all about. We all learn together as we go on this journey together. We ask each other and, and, and question things and we learn together. That's what discipleship is. One of the hardest things I think about doing what Jesus commands us to do is learning to listen, to listen to what he's saying. I think that's one of the challenges. There are three different ways to listen. We can listen passively. You know, when you're in a room and you just hear conversations going on in the background, you're kind of just passively listening to things going on. We can choose not to listen at all. Actually, I'm not going to listen at all. Or we can choose to listen intently. I can absolutely guarantee you 100% that if I stood up here and said, our next church mass social is going to be skydiving next week, okay? I could absolutely guarantee you that as we stood by that plane, every single one of us, we would listen intently to the instructor. We would want to know where that ripcord was, how quickly the parachute's meant to open, and what time we should dive. We would listen with intent. Why? Because our lives depended on it, okay? That's why we would listen so intently. You know, if we need, if we want to hear from God's word, it all comes down to how we listen. How are we listening to the word of God? Are we listening like our lives depend on it? Are we listening intently like our lives really depend on what he wants to say to us? To be a disciple of Jesus, we need to slow down, slow down and learn to listen. Jesus said in John chapter 8, if you abide in my word, abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. If you abide in my word, if you listen with intent. And this verse is very specific. It's not just referring to any truth. It's referring to absolute truth found exclusively and only in the Bible, in God's word. It's the truth of God's word. We need to read it. We need to study it. We need to know it. And we need to apply it and live the word of God in our lives. That's what we need to be doing. It's the truth that will set us free. The truth we find in the Bible is the only truth, the absolute truth. Jesus prayed, your word is truth, and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is the only absolute truth that we can be certain of and that we can live our lives by so that we can know a life of freedom, a completely free life knowing the truth. It's the truth that sets us free. If we want to be disciples of Jesus, then we need to carefully read God's word, carefully read it, and live our lives following what God's word says to us. A disciple is someone who's learning from God's word and teaching others to learn the truth too. Secondly, discipleship involves following It involves following. At the core, the very heart of discipleship is learning from the person of Jesus. 
It's following, learning from Jesus. And I love the thought that learning from Jesus isn't like a picture. This really helps me of like a student sat at a desk with a teacher at the front just giving information. It's more like an apprenticeship, you know, where someone really shows you how to do it in the workshop. They, they're there with you. This Christmas, one of my um, daughter Freya's Christmas presents, why we did it, I don't know, was a pottery wheel, okay? And um, she first opened it up and said, oh, I want to make a pot straight away, okay? So what did we do? We said to my dad, who's a potter, can you show her what to do? Can you show her how to make a pot? And as they sat together and he helped to make a pot, there was something really beautiful in watching someone with a craft and with a skill passing on their trade to someone who needs to know how to do it. You know, as a disciple of Jesus, we're not alone in the workshop. We're not left on our own. It's like an apprenticeship, okay? Not only is Jesus there with us, teaching us, the trade, if you like, but we have each other too. This is why we come together. We're shaped and nurtured by one another, supporting one another, correcting one another. You know, I had a message from someone this week who said, if you were going off piste or doing something wrong, I would tell you and I would expect you to do the same for me. That's what it's about, loving one another enough to be able to support, encourage, learning to follow from each other. All done with a deep love for one another. It has been said before, I love this, that the plural of discipleship is church. It's church. We're not a club or an institution. And at the beginning of this new year, I think it's really important for us to understand again that we are a dynamic body of believers. Can you believe that? As I look out this morning, we are a dynamic body of believers, each and every one of us. There is power in this room. We are dynamic people. That's exciting. We are a dynamic body of people. You know, if I stood here and I just got a group of people together at Beausajour and stood in the hall, that's not a dynamic body of people. This is a dynamic body of people because we're following Jesus. We are a dynamic body of believers. We're partnering together in the mission that God has called us to. We don't work against or compete or pull each other down, but we work together, encouraging one another, spurring each other on. We celebrate our wins together. That's what we do. We encourage one another and build one another up. And our apprenticeship with Jesus has two main parts. In Mark 3, verses 14 and 15, it says that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and to have authority. So firstly, we're invited to be with and to spend time with Jesus. Spending time with Jesus is so important. And secondly, what we learn from Jesus, we need to live in that way. We need to live the Jesus way. When we look at the life of Jesus, time and time again, we see humility, hospitality, prayer, discernment, healing. And as we do these things over and over and over again in our daily situations and our daily lives, we begin to reflect the character and nature of Jesus. Do you remember we spoke a few weeks ago about the wise and foolish builder and how Jesus said, if we hear his words and put them into practice, that's the bit. 
We can go and have people pray with us all the time. People can listen to us all the time. But if we don't put it into practice, Jesus says, if we put it into practice, we're like the wise builder who built his house upon the rock. And the example that we have from the disciples um, is from Jesus and his followers. And they weren't just passive. They weren't just there watching on at what Jesus did. Think about the story of the feeding of the 5,000. They'd seen Jesus do so many miracles. And then it's almost like Jesus said, right now, over to you. You go and find the food to feed the crowds. You go and find the food to feed this, ang- this hungry mob that are here. Go and find them something to eat. Jesus said, it's now your turn. And do you know what's really exciting as we start this new year? Jesus says, it's now your turn. It's now over to you. It's your turn now. It's our turn in the place and the situation that God has placed you in right now. And if we can truly understand and grasp this, we will never, ever live the same again. You won't be able to walk out this door the same because it takes, life takes on a whole new perspective. Knowing that God is going to use you in that place and at that moment. You know, if you come out of here and go down to Lundemarche Garage to buy something, you're meant, God's put you there in that moment. What's he going to do with you in that moment at London Marshall Garage? What's he going to do with you when you're walking on the beach at three o'clock this afternoon? He's put you there. You're meant to be there. And when we start to have our eyes open to think, I'm God's representative in this place, it makes work completely different tomorrow morning. Work isn't, you're, you're not, you know, your work's secondary. Your first thing is your mission to Jesus. This is my mission. I'm here. This is my mission field. This is where I should be. It changes our whole perspective on life when we understand that God has put you in that place at this time for this moment. Thirdly, we need to go the same way as Jesus. As we learn from Jesus, as we follow Jesus, our characters start to go the same way as Jesus. You know, in the New Testament, when um, the disciples were first called Christians, I love it because it literally means little Christ's. They were little Christs. They were Jesus' representatives. Can you imagine each one of us saying, we're little Christs. That's what we are. We're Christians. We're Jesus' representatives where we are. And it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit in us that we can reflect that life of Jesus wherever we go. You know, many years ago, um, when we were teenagers, we used to all walk around with the bands on, you know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? We used to all have them on our wrists. And uh, it might seem a bit funny now, and you might think, oh, she's old. Um, but actually, it was really good. Actually, it was a challenge to every situation you came to. You'd think, actually, what would Jesus do in this situation? What would Jesus do when I was facing this conflict, what would Jesus do with this difficult person at work? What would Jesus do when my marriage is difficult? What would Jesus do? Actually, that's really, really helpful. And that's what it means by following the way of Jesus. You know, some years ago, there was a TV show on a Saturday night. I don't know if any of you ever saw it because it's a bit random, but it was called Thank God You're Here. And what happened was a celebrity actor would have to walk through a door and find themselves in a situation, in a scene that they knew nothing about. And they'd basically have to improvise the whole 
bit, the whole scene, um, and just make it all up. And uh, they were really good, and they were excellent. And sometimes you just wouldn't know that it wasn't a scene that they'd practiced and rehearsed. But they could do that because for years they had tirelessly practiced their skill their art of acting and uh, improvisation and going in in that situation. And as disciples of Jesus, that's what we're commissioned to do daily. Through time spent with Jesus, through being filled with his Holy Spirit, we're able to react to a situation that we open the door onto. We're able to react in a way that Jesus would as we become more like Jesus and our character is transformed by him. For example, if I'm in my daily life saying to God, God, I'm really sorry. I really want to repent of that thought, that action. You know, I'm really, I've messed up there. And I realize that actually I'm only saved through God's grace. Then when I'm dealing with people, it's easier for me to say, I'm really sorry if I hurt you. Because we've been practicing it. We've been learning it. We've been doing it with Jesus. And the Bible points to the life and person of Jesus from the start to the finish. All the way through, we read about Jesus. And the main characteristics of his life, his death, his resurrection, those need to shape our lives as disciples. You know, loving one another, acting with humility, acting for reconciliation, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, those things we need to be um, practicing in our lives. Wherever we find ourselves, day by day, at work, at home, with our families, Jesus taught, Jesus' life has something to say about the way that we need to react in those situations. Fourthly, the disciples follow Jesus in their place. And we all have our places. Your place will be different to my place. Your home is different to my home. Your, the shops you go to are different to the shops I go to. Our lives are so different. Our favorite restaurants, coffee shops, whatever they are, those are your front lines. Those are your front lines. That's where your spiritual battlefield is. That's where you've been called to be, to be the representative for Jesus. These are the places where our discipleship is worked out. We shape that situation and that situation shapes us. That's where our discipleship happens. Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, is to be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. We need to be people who are bringing healing, hope, peace, love into stressful, chaotic, difficult situations. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be a people of hope. The way of Jesus speaks to each one of us in our individual context. It's different for each one of us. And when we read through the New Testament, we read that Jesus wasn't limited to where he worked. He worked in synagogues, weddings, mountainsides, roadsides, cities, lakes, gates. Um, and it was, he went all over. And the expectation was that the early church would do exactly the same the early church would be involved in the same way. So if it's your office, your classroom, your playground, supermarket, pub, care home, wherever you are, wherever your front line is, the command is to follow Jesus in each of these situations. What is the Spirit asking me to do in each situation that I am going to face today? What is the Holy Spirit asking me to do when I face these different situations today? 
And finally, we are called at this time. We are called at this time. It's for this time. Now, as I look out, we all find ourselves in different stages of life. Some of us upstairs are in childhood. Some of us are teenagers. Some of us, um, you know, young adults. Some of us middle-aged. Some of us in retirement. We're all at different stages of life. And our faith will look different in each different stage of our lives. Our faith changes and it grows and it matures and it's just different. But it also changes with the culture around us. Can I say that? That's a challenge for us as a church too. It changes with the culture around us. And we see this played out in the life of Jesus. Jesus was very aware that it was for this time and the culture that he was in. So he spoke about sowing and seeds and planting and growing. He spoke about those things because he was speaking to people who worked the land. He was speaking to farmers. He was speaking to people who knew what it was to work the land. He knew, they knew about growing. It made sense to them. It was culturally relevant to his time. It would be no good me going into a high school today and saying, when you plant the seeds, you know, this, this, this happens. They would look at me like, huh? okay, Jesus was culturally relevant to who he was speaking to. He is speaking to his listeners and they understand what he's saying. And we need to do the same. What discipleship will look like at this time in your place will be different. If you're in St. John's residential home, It'll be your discipleship playing out will look different to if I'm going down to Lamar de Cartre at high school and speaking to students there. It should look different because I'm in a different culture and a different time. And we need to listen in three ways to God's word. I really believe we need to listen to God's word, to the world and to each other. We mustn't just think, oh, the world's bad and we've got it right. We need to listen what's going on to understand our culture. We really need to understand our culture. Can I say that? As a church, we need to understand our culture and what's going on so that we can be culturally relevant to the world. So now I'm coming into land, okay? This is coming to an end now, but I just want to say, if you're an accountant, if you're a plumber, if you're a stay-at-home parent, if you're a jogger, no, not if you're a jogger, um, you can discover the joy and freedom of living with, living for, and living like Jesus in that situation. We can discover the joy in the place that God has put us, okay? Living a life of freedom in our situation. And as we follow the way of Jesus in our unique settings, no two disciples will look the same. Can I say that? We'll all look different. So we can't say they've got it right and they've got it wrong. People are going to be different. Our discipleship's going to be looked different because we're taking Jesus to the places where we're at, the situations that we're dealing with in that time. No two are going to look the same. But the beautiful thing, this is the most exciting thing, is that when we come together as community, we're all different but we're dynamic. We're dynamic. Our differences make us dynamic because as we come together as a community, we will look like Jesus. 
We will be his hands, his feet, his eyes, his voice, his ears, hearing our culture and our community from all different angles and responding in different ways, but exactly as Jesus would have us in the world, not of it, but in it, we're in it. That's our first calling, to be in the world, being Jesus to the world, bringing hope, telling people about the love of Jesus that there is for them. How exciting that is as we go into this year. So can I encourage you today? I just want to encourage you that wherever you find yourself, wherever you find yourself tomorrow or Tuesday or Friday, wherever you find yourself, whatever you do, let's do it all for the glory of Jesus. Let's do it all for the glory of Jesus. Remembering that we are his representatives. We are the chosen one for that place and at that time.